Hey guys, I'm so excited for you guys to hear the podcast today. I just wanted to take a minute and let you know that I am absolutely human today. I was listening back to the podcast and realized that I told you guys Philippians 1-6 when in fact it is supposed to be Philippians 4-6. So when you hear that, please keep that in mind. Again, it's Philippians 4-6, not Philippians 1-6. Thank the Lord that he is all about progression and not perfection. And please remember that I am a work in progress. Y'all enjoy. Love ya. Hi, I'm Lori Harp, and this is my podcast. Like most women, I wear many hats. I am a nurse, a wife, a mother, a friend, an encourager, but most importantly, I am a child of the Most High God. For many years, I believed the struggles I faced were because I was doing something wrong. I would hate myself for not being perfect. Then one day, someone told me God loves me where I am. Yes, we all face struggles and we all have things to overcome. But with God, all things are possible. In this podcast, I want to unpack the many issues facing women today. There is nothing in this life, no mistake, no flaw, no scar, that is too much for God. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, let's discuss real life issues through the lens of God's love. Get ready, let's harp on it. Hey guys, welcome back to Harp On It Podcast. I'm Lori Harp, your host. You guys, this has been a crazy week this week. I swear our temperatures in Texas this week have looked a little bit more like a lottery uh, number system than it has been real temperatures. At any rate, it's been an insane week and uh, very, very busy. We've had a lot of things going on with the Harp House, um, a lot of things happening in my extended family. My daughter's had a lot of uh, crazy things going on in her world and a lot of emotional trauma kind of happening in her world. Nothing that is my story to tell, just to tell you that I've kind of been on the fringe of just trying to be a good mama and be very supportive and yet not be too intrusive, which is kind of hard for me because as a mama bear, I just really want to fix everything. And as my kids get older, they're very independent and very capable of doing everything that they can do. And they are grown up, so they don't really need me to rush in. Although I am always ready and able to rush in and fight their battles for them. But the truth is they don't need me to. And I don't know if that's ever going to change as I get older. I may be 85 years old on a walker and still ready to go kick somebody's shin that hurts my kids. But this week has been a little bit of the same. And so this week I was talking to my daughter and somebody um, close to her was kind of ugly to her this week. And she had some situation that happened and... I was just kind of trying to minister to her heart and encourage her this week. And, you know, she was telling me, you know, gosh, mom, it's so hard because, you know, one minute I'm so encouraged and so moving on and, you know, really encouraged, like God's closed this door and he's going to open another door and I'm moving on to great things. And I'm so encouraged and I have great moments of faith and I'm so excited about what God's going to do next. And then I have these moments where 
oh my gosh, I can't do that because I'm not prepared. I'm not ready for this. And gosh, there's a hundred thousand people that are going to do this. And how am I going to stand out? And how can I possibly even think that I'm going to do that? And I responded to her and said, you know, it's so hard to keep your eyes on the Savior when the waves of our emotion keep washing over us. And so this week, as I was getting ready to do the podcast, that sentence that I told my daughter kept mulling over in my brain. And I kept thinking about that sentence and kept thinking about how those waves of emotion keep washing over us and it makes it so hard for us to keep our focus on the Lord and keep our focus on what's in front of us. And I can't really speak for guys because I've never been a guy. I've never had guy emotions, but gosh, I've certainly dealt with chick emotions and I've certainly dealt with those times where you have 85 emotions in one day, especially when you're pregnant or you've got a lot of trauma going on or you've got a lot of chaos going on or you've just been through so much and it feels like you go from being angry to being sad to being happy to being just blah all in the matter of 10 minutes and it just feels like the emotions dictate how your world is going how do you take those emotions and throw them in the back of the bus and how do you have control over those things for me what this started is a thought process that made me think of all stories Peter when he walked on the water and if you'll follow along with me I think I can tie this all together so I'm going to take the story out of Matthew chapter 14 starting right around chapter 22 and it kind of goes through 22 oh excuse me about 24 on through about 26 28 You guys can read this. I'm going to just quickly paraphrase it for you for time. Right before this, um, Jesus and the disciples had been ministering. And Jesus had just fed um, several thousand people with some fish and loaves of bread. The disciples stayed behind to collect all the bread. And Jesus went on ahead before them. After they collected all the bread, the disciples get on a ship and they go out into the sea. And we kind of come on this scene as the disciples are out on the ship in the middle of the sea. And we see they're sailing and Jesus starts walking towards them on the water. And we see that the disciples all of a sudden are like really, really scared. Now, just to kind of put myself in the situation, I'm just going to say if I'm out in the middle of the water and I'm sailing and I see somebody walking on the water, it's probably going to cause a little bit of turmoil in my life as well. So they start thinking that there's a ghost and Jesus speaks to him and says, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. And so I want to kind of put myself in Peter's position here. So I love Peter probably because I identify with a lot of Peter's characteristics and his traits because Peter is extremely zealous and I just can identify with how much 
Peter wants to please the Lord, like how much he wants to be the best of the best. And I have some of those perfection clause traits in me. Whenever I do a job, I really, really want to do my very best. And I always want to have the accolades from those people around me. And so when Peter is on the boat and Jesus says to the disciples, hey, don't worry, it's me. I feel like Peter recognizes that it's the Lord, but then he kind of says to himself, hey, it's Jesus. But I'm going to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, if it's you, call out to me and I'll come to you. And then Jesus says, okay, come. And now Peter has a choice here. Now Peter can either stay in the boat and just say, oh, okay, I I called out and Jesus said to come. So now I can either take on the call that Jesus said, come to me, and I can step out of the boat and I can walk on water and I could go to Jesus because Jesus said, come. Or I can pretend I didn't really hear Jesus like the other, the other 11 disciples in the boat, and I can just stay in the comfort of the boat. But Peter wants to please Jesus, and he is so excited to please Jesus that he doesn't really think about it. He just steps out of the boat in all of his enthusiasm, and he gets on the water, and he starts walking on the water. Now, if it's me, I am so excited to get to Jesus because I love Jesus so much. And I have this relationship with Jesus and I'm excited to get to him. And I'm walking on the water and then it dawns on me, well, wait a second. I am defying the laws of physics and I am walking on top of water. And then as I'm walking on top of water, I'm realizing that there's all of these waves that are crashing over my feet and the wind that I feel on my skin and that is blowing against me and all of these obstacles that I'm seeing in my way between me and Jesus start bombarding my senses and I start thinking, wait, Did I hear correctly? Did Jesus really tell me to come? Am I really qualified to walk on the water? Am I able to do what I'm doing? Did I hear what Jesus said? Am I capable of making it to Jesus? Am I going to be okay? And as I continue to step in what I believe the Lord has told me, and in fact, he did tell me, as I take the steps, the realization of the earthly manifestation of the enemy's ploys or the emotional waves of the reality of life bombard me my brain starts to second guess what the Lord told me. And what happens? Doubt creeps in. And as doubt creeps in, I begin to sink. Why? Because as I pay attention to those waves and that wind, and I lose sight of my Savior, I begin to sink. Did I not hear him? 
No, that's not truth. I heard him. He said, come. Peter heard him say, come. And he stepped out. But the moment that he allowed the world to penetrate that bubble of what he heard from the Lord, he began to sink. And so as soon as he began to sink, he said, Lord, help me. And what happened? Jesus grabbed him and pulled him up and rescued him. Now, the rest of the story is that Jesus takes him back to the boat and they're back in safety. What I want to pay attention to here and what I want to kind of twist the story to are are my idea here, what I want to twist it to is to roll in instead of looking at these waves and this wind as being a natural phenomenon, I want to kind of look at it as the emotional trauma, the impact that we see that happens when we have trauma and we have chaos that happens of the life events that we don't expect. The job that we lose or the spouse that passes away or the child that gets sick or whatever the car that breaks down or the washing machine that goes out or whatever the fill in the blank trauma that happens in our life that derails us a little bit from where we were that causes us to all of a sudden stop noticing where we were heading towards what the Savior had intended for us to be doing. Life happens, it continues to bombard us. And I believe the enemy continues to bombard us so that he can continue to keep our eyes on the chaos that wraps around us instead of keeping our eyes on the Savior. So how Do we keep our focus on the Savior when the waves of our emotion and the waves of life events keep bombarding us? I believe one of the first things we need to do is seek the truth of God's word. I have five ideas here that I really want to pull out. God's word is the only truth that I know that is really valid in this world. We live in a world now where there's so many false truths. There is so much artificial intelligence. There's so much ability for people to make things up that seem so perfectly okay. There is this professional or this expert that says this is good. There's this expert that debunks that and says this is good. And so we struggle with trying to figure out who's right And who's wrong? But I can tell you that the word of God is truth. I wanted to give you some scripture verses that you could hold on to that would bring you comfort if you are feeling a bit overwhelmed. There are some of my favorites and you can look them up uh, whenever you have a moment. The first one is Philippians 1.6. My mother-in-law used to always say when in a fix Philippians 1 6 and actually this is philippians 1 6 through 8 uh be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication make your request known to the lord and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in christ jesus 
Um, the other one is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans that I would prosper you and plans for a good future. That is a rough paraphrase. That's not exact interpretation. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7, which is, um, uh, you are not given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And then Proverbs 3, 5, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and uh, he will direct your path. Again, that's a quick uh, paraphrase because I don't have the scriptures in front of me. Um, and those are really um, four of my favorites. When I am really, really stressed out, I have those in my repertoire, in my heart. So those are scripture verses that I will recite out loud. Um, sometimes I will open my Bible and read them um, directly from the scripture, but a lot of times I will just recite them because it helps me definitively to be able to say them aloud. There is power in speaking the scripture. The word says that God's scripture and his word does not return void, but it goes out and accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish. It also says that God is not a man that he should lie. So if we know that the scripture is powerful and we know that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, that he used the scripture himself to defeat the enemy, then one of our um, arrows that we can keep in our quiver to fight against the enemy is the word of God. So when the enemy comes against us to attack us, one of the best things we can do as far as a Christian to stand against the enemy is pull out the scripture because we are not speaking in our strength then. We are standing in the strength of God and we're standing in his strength so now we're saying we're going to fight you in the strength of God. We're not trying to fight him in our own strength. So again, Philippians 1, 6, Jeremiah 29, 11, 2 Timothy 1, 7, and Proverbs 3, 5 are four of my favorites. Um, the second thing I want to roll into is gratitude. Gratitude is inversely proportional to self-pity. When I get in a self-pity mode and I am sitting in my little mud puddle like a big old fat pig throwing the mud on myself, I'm not worthy, I'm so miserable, I am just whiny and just having a pity party, a lot of times I will let myself have 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, I will cry, I will allow myself to have an emotional meltdown even I'll I'll do whatever I need to do to let the emotions out but I will not allow myself to sit in that moment because if I let myself sit there I'll sit there for 10 days because you guys it is so easy for me to stay in that self-pity mode it's easy for me to feel sorry for myself because if I look hard enough there's always people in this world that have things better than me there are people on Facebook that just went to Aruba last week. There are people that have brand new cars. There's people that um, have children that graduated from Yale or graduated from Princeton that have kids that have 4.0s. There's kids that have perfect teeth and have gone and done these things. And then I have 
a hot mess of a situation where y'all sometimes I get to work in my underwear on the inside of my pants and I've made it on time and I feel like that's a victory so I'm just being real and transparent here and saying that I have a real life and if I allow myself to compare myself to other people and have that comparison moment and really allow myself to sit in that self-pity, I can go down in the deep chasm of self-pity and figure out a way to feel really sorry for myself. But the reality is that I am highly favored and blessed by God. And God has given me a multitude of blessings. And they may not be that I'm driving a a Mercedes Benz or I may not have the most fancy house and I may not have taken a cruise around the world. But y'all, I have so many things that God has given me that are wonderful, fabulous things. I have amazing kids and I have a wonderful husband. I have kids that are doing amazing things. I have kids that love the Lord. There are so many things. So what I do when I get in these self-pity modes is I start a list of what I am grateful for. And one of the very first things I start with is the fact that I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and that I am not going to spend eternity in hell. Because when it comes down to brass tacks, the reality is every one of us deserve to spend eternity in hell. And none of us deserve to have what Jesus Christ laid down for us. None of us did anything spectacular to deserve what Jesus did for us. But because he loves us so much, he gave us that gift. So from a point of gratitude pulls us out of that mud puddle of self-pity. Number three is community. Y'all do not get yourself stuck in isolation. Find yourself a community. The best place to find community is a church. I know there are people that will tell you every day, all day, that you can be a Christian outside of church. That is absolutely true. You do not have to go stand in the garage does not make you a car. I get that. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. But What you lose when you do not go to church is a community. You lose people that have an understanding of where you are and where you're walking. You lose people that can come up alongside of you that love you and care care for you where you're at. Now, I get it. Churches are in perfect places. They're not places that are made up of perfect people. There are people that are going to be judgmental. There are people that are going to hurt people. There are people that are going to do things that are not right. But you guys, they're just people. God will never fail you, but people will. So put on your big girl pants, your big boy pants, and get over the hurts that you've experienced from having church and get back out there and have a real relationship with people because the only people that are getting hurt by you not going to church is you. You deserve to have a relationship with people that care about you. And the reality is that Satan is telling you a lie that all of these people in churches are hypocrites. There may be hypocrites in church, but I guarantee there's just as many hypocrites outside of church. And 
we're not trying to profess that we have it all together or that we're perfect. The reason that we are in church and have a community together is because we love Jesus and we want to love you. If the church that you've been at is not the right church, there's other churches out there. I encourage you to please find a church, a place where you can belong. If you can't find a church, find a community where you belong, that people can love you and come around you when you struggle so that you are not in this battle alone. Number four, self-care. Take care of you yourself. Eat healthy. Get some sleep. Get some exercise. Even if you go out the front door and take a walk for 10 minutes, spend some time taking care of you. Finally, the last point I wanted to touch on is let go of the past. The Bible always warns us not to necromance. In other words, don't play with the dead. Don't pick up what's already dead and gone. So many times it is easy to carry what we have left in the past into our future. We carry all of our wounds, all of our baggage into the next situation. It's hard to let go of it. I get it. I have had many opportunities in my life that I have been afraid to move into because I was afraid that I would do the same thing that I did in the past. Y'all, the first five years of my marriage, I had to learn how to fight with my husband because I was so used to carrying all the baggage into my fights. I would hold up all of the things that he had done wrong the entire time of our, our first five years of marriage so that when we would have an argument or a fight, I would levy all of those things against him. And I had to learn to let those go and learn how to forgive him. But y'all, I had to learn to do that with myself as well. So I had to learn to forgive myself of things in the past. I had to learn to let go of those things that I have done wrong and things that I didn't do correctly. There are things that you learn that are toxic, bad traits that come very naturally, that feel very comfortable for you. They may feel normal, but they're not necessarily healthy. One of the things that I do all the time is I will second guess my first choice. I will hear from the Lord, know I hear from the Lord, I move in that situation, and then with all the chaos or the busyness of the world come up into the situation, I'm like, wait, did I hear that right? Did God really say that? Is that what God said? Did I hear his voice right? Maybe I didn't hear his voice right. Maybe he didn't say that. Maybe this isn't really what he meant. And so then I have to stop what I did and go back, okay, I did hear it right. One really bonus quick thing that I have learned to do, when I hear from the Lord, I write it down. Um, I am used to be a really good journaler. The truth of the matter is I don't have a lot of time to journal anymore. I loved 
journaling when I was younger because I could always go back and read it and it really helped me. It built my faith. It helped edify what was going on and I could see in a tangible way how God moved in my life. So I highly recommend journaling if you have time for it. But for me, if God tells me something definitive, I'll write it down. Even if it's in the margin of my Bible or if it's in a notebook that I use all the time to do my podcast, I'll write down something like God spoke. And sometimes it's just a sentence. Sometimes it's just a verse. And that way when Satan comes up against me or the enemy comes up against me and bombards me with, you didn't hear that right, I can tangibly go back to that and in my prayer time, I can go back to that moment and I can point at that word and go, no, Satan, you're a dirty dog liar. And you're not telling me the truth because I know on this moment at this time, God spoke to me and he said this so that I can change the way that I think and I talk to myself and I could say, no, that's not truth. I let go of the past. I let go of doubting myself. And I believe what God said. God said that I'm stepping out in this and this is where I'm going. One thing I want to end on this, Matthew twenty two fourteen says, many are called, but few are chosen. I want you to remember that God loves you and he has called you and he has chosen you. So when you come up against things that are bombarding you and those emotions are overwhelming you and you're debating on whether you're going to step out of the boat or if you're going to sit back and you're just going to be like the other 11 disciples and you're just going to sit there in the comfort of your boat. And, you know, you may have this moment where you step out of the boat and you sink in the in the sea and you may fail because, I mean, Technically, Peter failed. Jesus rebuked rebuked him and said, ye of little faith. But what he really said was ye of little faith, the way we translate it, it really means, Peter, you have little burst of humongous faith. It took humongous faith to step out on the water, but it just was so short-lived. He wasn't really rebuking him like, you didn't do anything great. He's like, let's grow that faith because you know what? This is the same Peter that the entire church was built on. This is the same Peter that stood up on Pentecost and preached to the multitude and thousands of people were saved. So, Know that when God calls you and he chooses you and he speaks to you, that that is significance. And don't listen to the wind and the waves. And you guys, step out of the boat and take the next step. I love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you want to stay in the know for all things Harp Ministries, check out our website at harpministries.org. In there, you'll see the latest episodes of Harp on it, upcoming events, and our newly released book entitled, How Can I Leap Tall Buildings When I Can't Get My Tights On? Thank you again for tuning in today. See y'all next week.